0: A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin Telling a woman that she can't be an elder is a nonsense rule. If they claim to be in the body, we let him have it. Donald Trump is going to win in 2020 by an absolute lamb. There six Christianizing the American dream. I said that you, um, that, that
1: many LDS folks... And I, I love the same Jesus. I still believe that.
0: Sawing is a blessing from God to make you rich. Beating Jesus it? like a lottery ticket. The Lord spoke
1: to my heart. It's been very few times I've ever heard God be this articulate with me. And I'm telling you, word for word, these words came into my heart. I'm not asking you to win. I'm asking you to brush your
0: hair. Well, sharply. That's what God commanded. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Master's Dog, episode 108. I'm your host, Norm, the Master's Dog Dunham, a.k.a. The Evangelical Norm. So this podcast is where I deal with false teachers, false doctrines, all kinds of stuff. It started out just responding to the Saints Unscripted segment of their podcast called Faith and Beliefs, where they started going through the articles of faith. And I wanted to point out how they don't line up with Biblical or Orthodox Christianity, and then they continued on after the 13 Articles of Faith to other things, and so I committed to respond to every single one of these videos, which I have done, Um, even though there have been some that I went, really, it's almost pointless to respond, because it's not an important thing along the lines of apologetics or something like that, but um, the last few weeks, they have been uh, really into some more uh, kind of meaty, Issues that that do bear weight between Mormonism and Orthodox Christianity. So it's been really good. Um, we are today, we are back with, the, uh, with David Snell from Saints Unscripted on their Faith and Beliefs podcast. He's going to talk to us a little bit today about how the Mormons view the Abrahamic Covenant. And then we'll break it down and we'll look at what the Abrahamic Covenant is and how uh, it applies to mainstream Christianity. And where it differs between Mormonism and Orthodoxy. Excuse me. That was uh, not intended. Uh, so, um, all that being said, let us take a look at this video with David Snell, Saints Unscripted, The Abrahamic Covenant. Let's go.
1: Hey, guys. So, within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you might hear talk about something called the... Abrahamic covenant. In this episode, we're going to talk about what this covenant is to Latter-day Saints and why it's so incredibly important. There are a ton of scriptures that apply to this subject. We won't read them all here, but we'll put references up on the screen throughout the video, which you can pause to read if you'd like. Let's do it.
0: So when they do this, I, I probably won't be just for the sake of time, pause on every scripture reference that they pop up, but I do encourage people who do Uh, Watch these videos and watch the originals and so on to pause and read these because a lot of times their intention and and I called them out and they started saying stuff like this Uh, and I don't know if it's it's directly in response to me I tend to think it is but they they. They started saying, because I was like, they throw up all these things and it's really fast. You don't have time to read it, blah, blah, blah. So then they started saying, oh, pause and read these scriptures or whatever. And so um, I really think it is important for people to pause these videos and read those scriptures. Excuse me, pardon me.
1: All right, so at its core, a covenant is a promise. In the Old Testament and in Latter day Saint scripture, we learn about a very important, multifaceted covenant that God made with the Old Testament patriarch Abraham because of
0: his faithfulness. Okay, so now again, he's showing scripture from the book of Abraham, which is Mormon scriptures, the Pearl of Great Price, which has basically been proven to be false. I mean, this is all, none of this was written by Abraham's hand. None of this is, I mean, it's all comes from, a, a book of funerals that Joseph Smith found on an Egyptian mummy and then tried to pass this off as scripture that he had translated. And, and now over the years, they've come up with all kinds of things to go, well, it's not really it was the inspiration for, but not literally the translation of. And, and so, again, all these things happen to change over the years as it's found out in Mormon uh Theology and teachings that these things are wrong. So again, take it with a grain of salt.
1: God also promises to renew that covenant with Abraham's descendants. It's renewed with Abraham's son Isaac and Isaac's son Jacob. We're
0: okay. So now they're throwing up actual scripture, which is good. Um, but again, they're they're mixing the the two uh, things and trying to make it seem as if it is the same and it's not.
1: We're going to simplify the promises made to Abraham by dividing them into three categories. The three Ps, promised lands, posterity, and priesthood gospel. God promised Abraham's descendants a promised land for them to inherit. It's That's what everybody's good. singing about in the Prince of Egypt. Following this covenant pattern at different times, God has also promised different lands to different peoples. Abraham was also promised an innumerable posterity numbered as the dust of the earth, through which all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And indeed, all the nations of the earth have been blessed through a descendant of Abraham by the name of Jesus Christ. But in another way, that promise is still being fulfilled today as the family of Abraham takes the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Which brings us to the third set of promised blessings, that Abraham's posterity would have access to the priesthood of God and the gospel, which they would be responsible for sharing with the world. Kent Jackson pointed out that since the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when gospel blessings have been on earth, they have been made available through the house of Israel. This is one reason why Christ in the New Testament tells the Samaritan woman that salvation is of the Jews. In this sense, Abraham's posterity is a chosen people, not chosen in the sense that God loves them more or that they are better than anyone else. (coughs) They are chosen for service, chosen to be workers to bring the gospel to the world. If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Now, in the New Testament, as the time comes for the Gospel message to be opened up to the Gentiles, we see something important happen. Paul teaches that if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Literal lineage no longer mattered. It didn't matter if you were a Jew or a Gentile. If you accepted Christ in his gospel, you became part of the covenant family of Abraham and an heir to the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant, as long as you stayed faithful. Promised lands, posterity, and access to the priesthood and gospel. Latter-day Saints believe that after a period of apostasy, this covenant was renewed by God once again through Joseph Smith as part of the restoration. Today, as in New Testament times, as you accept the gospel, you become part of the family of Abraham, regardless of what your literal lineage is. But how do the promised blessings, the three Ps, apply to us today?
0: Okay, let's talk about that for just a minute. Let's talk about the whole issue of Abraham's seed and so on, because here's the deal. Joseph Smith didn't claim to be brought into Abraham's seed through Christ. He literally claimed many times that he was descended from Ephraim. So he claimed to essentially be a Jew in some sense. Um, the reality is in what the gospel says, and, and maybe I should hold off on this till the end, but we'll, we'll hit a little bit of it. John one one. Or John chapter John chapter 1, 1 through 18, essentially, talks about that we are, are given the right to become children of God. We see in other places where it talks about we are adopted in, we are grafted in, all these things through Christ, which, one, defeats the LDS argument that we're all related through, through spiritual parents, because then we don't need to be adopted in, which... Christ or Paul tells us we are we are adopted, we are given, we cry Abba Father by the spirit of adoption, by which we cry Abba Father. Um, so again, this whole issue of, of promised land and pros- posterity, this is actually, yes, this is part of the Abrahamic covenant. This priesthood thing that they're adding in has nothing to do with Abraham's covenant. and And we'll talk about that when he's done.
1: I thought you'd never ask. Anciently, Israel was promised that they would inherit Canaan as a promised land. Today, one way we can think about this is that each of us are promised the opportunity to inherit the celestial kingdom of God after this life as our promised land. Concerning posterity, we read in the Doctrine and Covenants, Abraham received promises. Okay,
0: the Abrahamic covenant As far as the land of Canaan, that is for Israel, that is for Abrahams, we are grafted in through the gospel, through Christ, by adoption and so on. But it it doesn't, I mean, to equate that to a celestial kingdom, one of which scripturally does not hold up the way that the Mormons describe the celestial kingdom, especially when you get to the whole issue of exaltation and becoming a god, which is heretical, blasphemous there is no god beside him neither will uh, there's no god before him there's no god beside him and neither will there be any god formed after him god is god and has been from eternity to eternity so to to put this in as is, is like an issue of the celestial kingdom and then this the, the whole posterity thing i can only imagine this is going to get worse
1: is concerning his seed both in the world and out of the world should they continue as innumerable as the stars. This promise is yours also, because ye are of Abraham. In other words, you're promised an eternal family, following the pattern of God's family. And, of course, we believe that within our faith is found the third P, the priest.
0: Okay, so again... He kind of skimmed over that, but this whole issue of eternal families, sealing in the temple, blah blah blah. Again, because even if I were sealed to my family, which I was not, praise God. Um, not that it means anything anyway. But so let, let's take my sister's family, right? Let's let's just take my my active LDS family and their. So my sister and her husband, they're sealed, they're sealed to all their kids. Now, are they going to live together forever? No, because her son is going to be sealed to his wife and his kids, and they're going to be gods over their planet. So again, it's you're not sealed to your your earthly children. You're apparently only. I mean, I don't. It's so hard. It's so confusing. But then you have to have all these spiritual children for eternity, while your earthly children are off doing their thing and doing the same thing and doing the same thing. And there's there's this endless cacophony of gods. This this uh, you know. It, it's just it, it, it when you stop and think about it. They're literally calling God a liar because they're saying that they're all these people who who live worthy LDS lives are going to go on to become gods. So when God says no God was formed before me, neither shall there be after me, they're literally saying you are a liar.
1: Priesthood ...of God, and as authorized administrators of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints take missionary work very seriously. As heirs of the covenant, it is our responsibility, as it was anciently, to bring the gospel to the world. Elder Bruce R. McConkie said it well. What then is the Abrahamic covenant? It is that Abraham
0: and his seed... Okay, so here's the other. here's another thing that, that just boggles me about this video. Okay, you're talking about the priesthood and you keep showing women who do not hold any kind of priesthood.
1: Including those adopted into his family, shall have all of the blessings of the gospel, of the priesthood, and of eternal life. The Abrahamic covenant is the glue that binds the gospel story together.
0: It surrounds us, penetrates us, it binds the galaxy together.
1: The first book of the Old Testament establishes the Abrahamic covenant. The first verse of the first book of the New Testament ties Jesus Christ to Abraham. The title page of the Book of Mormon explains that one of the purposes of the book is to show unto the remnant of the house of Israel what great things the Lord hath done for their...
0: And it also at one point in time said that the primary ancestors of the Native Americans were Israelites, and then they had to change it because the science showed that they were wrong to something to the point of that they were among the ancestors, which is really... Not true either. So let's not worry about what the title page of the Book of Mormon says because it's already been proven because of changes and so on to be false.
1: Their fathers and that they may know the covenants of the Lord. Joseph Smith's first recorded revelation from the September 1823 visit of the angel Moroni references the Abrahamic covenant. I will reveal unto you the priesthood by the hand of Elijah the prophet and he shall plant in the hearts of the children the promises made to the fathers. Now, as important as the contents of the Abrahamic covenant are, there's something else really important going on here. This isn't so much a covenant Abraham is making with God as it is a covenant God is making with Abraham. God puts himself under covenant to make these blessings available to us. And the scriptures are full of stories about how God is faithful. To that promise. The story of Abraham almost sacrificing Isaac is not just meant to be a story about Abraham's faithfulness. It's a story about God's faithfulness to the covenant he made with Abraham. God promised Abraham posterity, and sure enough, God shows that he is trustworthy. Come what may, you can count on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you want to learn more, or if you want to see other ways these promises have been, are being, or will Hey, guys, so within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
0: Did not mean to do that. Didn't want to start the whole thing over. Just wanted to change over cameras. Uh, So, all this being said, the Abrahamic covenant was a covenant absolutely made between God and Abraham. And God was the only person who put himself under the covenant. He caused Abraham to fall asleep. While God made the covenant, he passed among the pieces of the animals and so on. And he said, this is all me, Abraham. I'm doing all this for you. It's the same as what Christ did for us on the cross. And again, Mormons miss this because they they have a gospel of works. You have to do certain things in order to be worthy to get to the, the celestial kingdom and gain exaltation and live with God and blah, blah, blah. But Jesus said, it's all my work. I'm doing this covenant. I am I am shedding my blood. I'm not requiring anything from you, but repentance, which is a gift from God, and faith, which is a gift from God. So it's none of our works. Repentance and faith isn't even on us. It's, it's God giving those things to us. And so to see this Abrahamic covenant, and then when we get to the whole point of, of priesthood, you know, they say that the priesthood comes from the Abrahamic Covenant, but they have two priesthoods in in Mormonism. They have the Melchizedek priesthood, which did not have anything to do with Abraham. Melchizedek was completely different. Abraham actually paid tithes to Melchizedek. So how does that priesthood come through Abraham when Abraham never held it? There are only two priests after the order of Melchizedek that are mentioned in the Bible, because it's a, a priesthood that cannot be transferred. Melchizedek is likely a Christophany, an appearance of Christ before the incarnation. And Christ is the only Melchizedek priest. He is the king of Salem, the prince of peace, the, the, the king of kings. This is who Christ is. He is the only Melchizedek priest. It doesn't come through Abraham. And then the Aaronic priesthood that did come through Abraham's line was only for the Levites. So any Mormon who claims to hold the Aaronic or Levitical priesthood literally would have to prove their descendant from Levi. Levi. Because that is the way the priesthood is laid out. And then later in the New Testament, it says that that, that is done away with, that priesthood that, re, that re did all the sacrifices and so on, the work in the temple, because Christ made the sacrifice once for all. So the gospel of Christ negates the need for a, an Aaronic priesthood because he's the only priest after the order of Melchizedek. So to, to claim that this priesthood comes through the, the, the Abrahamic covenant is garbage and it's not biblical in any way shape or form. So there you go. I got got a little heated there when the whole issue of of man becoming God it just it, it frustrates me because it literally is as I, I just kind of backtrack for a minute it literally is calling God a liar. To say that we will do these things and to say, you know, that we do these works and blah, blah, blah. You know, you're literally calling scripture a lie. When Paul says we are saved by grace through faith that not of works so that no man can boast. But these guys are going, well, we do this, this, and this so we can attain this. And they're literally boasting about it. They become those who boast about the works that they've done to achieve Godhood. Really? Really? I mean, Joseph Smith, if you read, I'm pretty sure it was the King Follett discourse, where he was the one that said, I have more to boast about than any man, even Jesus. These are the words of Joseph Smith. How people can look at the history of Mormonism and the current teachings and even everything about the uh, exaltation and celestial kingdom and so on, and not recognize how it literally blasphemes the Bible And the word of God, I mean, we can't blaspheme the Bible, but it is the word of God. So it it makes blasphemous claims contrary to what the word of God says. If you can't see that, if you can't get that, all I can do is pray that the Holy Spirit will, will do what he did for me and the hundreds of friends and people that I know who left Mormonism because they recognize the truth. And the only way we can get that to other people, other people who need to do that, is as always, we need to preach the gospel at all times. We need to use words because they're absolutely necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.